Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love The Real Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode. I am talking to the one and only Lewis Peitzman this week, who's writing on Housewives and in general, I have admired for years. So it was really exciting to get to talk to him today. He's one of those people I'm always like, oh, I want your take on Housewives. Tell me what you think. So what a thrill it was to sit him down and just grill him about the shows for as long as we did. That is coming up in just a second. You may have noticed a trailer for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Season 2 has come out. Now, usually in recent months, I have done trailer breakdowns here on the podcast, which I love doing. But because that came out on a Friday, you know, I had a change of heart somewhat. And I said to myself, it's is out on a Friday. I've got an Instagram account for this show. Why don't I just hop on Instagram and do the same kind of deep dive I would do in the podcast here instead? So that's exactly what I did. So if you are not following the show on Instagram, you may not have seen it at Housewives and Me. Pop over there. There is a highlight on my page, on that page, I should say, that is just me chatting to camera, much in the vein of how I do the podcast here, running through my thoughts on the trailer, which if you've seen it, you know is explosive. You know it has lots of promising elements. Detective Lisa Barlow, Meredith slamming the door, which I did mention on Instagram, but someone pointed out to me, my friend Jack pointed out to me, uh, sounded like <laughs> the sound of a jail door, jail cell door slamming, which was iconic. Anyway, Go check it out at Housewives of Me on Instagram. It is your Real Housewives of Salt Lake City deep dive that you know you need. It's back in like under a month. We are so blessed with the Housewives bounty we are receiving at this time. I am so excited. Anyway, that is on Instagram so you can check it out. But for now, let's get to our amazing interview. Here is Lewis Peitzman on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a writer who's had his work appear in outlets like the New York Times, Vulture, BuzzFeed and Time magazine as well. And he truly has some of my favourite Housewives hot takes. So I'm very excited to have him join us today. Lewis Peitzman, welcome to Housewives and Me. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to chat to you. And you just recently like went cross country, you know, in America on trains. So you've had a very exciting few days before we've spoken. I Yeah, I'm still adjusting to uh, not being on a train, not moving constantly. <laughs> You really get used to that like rocking motion and then suddenly you're like, oh no, I'm like, it's like when you're on like a, a ship, you know, and you get off and you still feel wobbly. Yes. It's kind of like that. But I was on a train for three days. And so I'm just like, why, why am I stable right now? Why am I not being like thrown off of uh, the bed that I'm currently sitting on? So when you're not traveling cross country, you are, of course, a Housewives fan. But I want to take it back to the beginning. I'm so curious. How did you get into Housewives? That is a good question that I have thought about a lot and like not been able to come up with a real answer to. I feel like the first Housewives I ever watched I'm pretty sure sure it was in college, uh, maybe a little after college when I was like hung over after a party and there was a marathon on Bravo of uh, season two of Jersey, which is mm. like the maybe one of the greatest. It's like definitely top five greatest housewife seasons of all time. Mm-hmm. And I like couldn't stop watching it. I mean, it was like all the episodes you'd want to see, you know, in terms of the hair pull and... Danielle getting litigious and like all it was like it was like the 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 best arc you know it was all of that um and I was really into it but I didn't start watching Housewives like in earnest until when Beverly Hills premiered I watched that from the beginning mm-hmm. um because I grew up in Beverly Hills and oh did she, not, she 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 I <laughs> Beverly Hills darling um did not grow up with that 
in that lifestyle, but I like, but I obviously, but I obviously like know, you know, I grew up around it, you know? And so like, I mean, they all now, like, they all live in like the Valley now, which is where my parents live and where I'm currently staying. So I'm, I'm closer to them now than I, than I was when I lived in Beverly Hills. But uh, yeah, no, I watched it like kind of out of, out of curiosity to see like yeah, how it places represents. places you even. Or, yeah. 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 It turns out that like it, what I saw had so little bearing on, you know, it, it did not reflect my experiences, but I was obviously very into it. And then I kind of went back and watched everything else on Hulu. I, you know, I marathoned all of them. I did, you know, New York, uh, all of Jersey, Atlanta, OC, um, Potomac and Dallas. I started from the beginning when they were, you know, airing because mm-hmm. I was already a Housewives fan. Obviously, Salt Lake City, I've been watching. Um, and God, am I forgetting any? I've gone back and watched most of Miami, but I haven't finished it yet. I have not watched DC yet. Um, one day it'll happen. And um, the only international one that I watch is Melbourne. Oh, uh, the best international one. I literally it's just... so good. It's just like, it's like, it's phenomenal. Um, I don't know. You definitely did not ask me to list every house I watch, but now I've gone over <laughs> all of them. So I'm sure, I'm, am I forgetting one? Like, I feel like I'm leaving someone out of here, but... I want to ask you about all those cities, basically, but I want to zone in on one thing because I have such vivid memories of you doing this on Twitter and I actually revisited some of the thread uh, last night getting ready for this interview. You watched 10 seasons of Housewives of Orange County in 1.5 months. I want to talk about that. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but it was it was very fast. I mean, I do watch things fast. Yeah. And that was also pre-pandemic, so I feel like I can't even blame it on... Like yeah, how? <laughs> it was like 2016. How did you because, do that? Because <laughs> no, I, I know it's so funny because like I so many people like marathoned Housewives uh, over the last year and a half and like watched everything and I was and I, you know because they weren't doing anything else and I was like yeah I did that when I had the opportunity to have <laughs> I a did live, that I just, when world was open I did that <laughs> I don't remember exactly what was going on in my life that I had that much time but yeah I don't know I really. I just like, I really was into it and I, I wanted to do, I, I don't think I planned on documenting my streaming journey uh, originally. I think I started tweeting about it because I don't know, there are things would happen and I would be into tweeting about it. And then, um, cause I hadn't done that with any other housewives. And then um, as I kept watching, I was tweeting more and more. And I think like, but I, I ended up with like, you know, a tweet per episode by the end of things um yeah documented the entire uh run of the series up to a point then then eventually i was so bored by orange county that i couldn't <laughs> pretend to have opinions about it but um yeah no i mean that was um that thread was endless that's why because it would be one of those things that it would like i would see a random tweet from it because you would add to it like right. at some point on uh, maybe you were on like season seven eight or nine or whatever and i'd be like oh my god he's really committed because everyone says i'm watching this show for the first time i'm gonna t-. and they usually give up on that about five episodes in i was like you really you really committed to the bit you were like let me tweet every moment <laughs> but i think like i do think it's a bit of a curse so like i'm now afraid to do it because like the ones that i have um the shows that i've done that with eventually like end up turning me off so much that I can't keep going with my mm. uh with my like you know live tweeting of them I am um, I did I have a Vanderpump Rules thread also that I started from the beginning and oh, yeah and then stopped updating because I was like this is bleak 
Um, so I'm no longer going to do that because I'm just like, it's not, um, it's, it's not a good, you know, eventually the show will turn on me or I'll turn on the show. And it's just, I can't, I can't take that risk with things that I love. When you watch that much OC in such a short space of time, like what stood out to you? Because as you probably have guessed, I have spoken to a lot of people who have marathoned Housewives in the last year, particularly people in Ireland who'd never watched it before. But as a a full-time fan of the show then, you watched a lot of it very quickly. Like what stood out to you or how the show kind of evolves? Because it was the guinea pig for the whole franchise. I'm really fascinated about the trajectory of Housewives in terms of um, what the brand became over time and, and how that changed. So if you watch OC from mm-hmm. the beginning, it's it's kind of boring, you know, at first. It's a docu-series about, you know, rich families, basically. There, there's very little conflict. I think like one of the most telling moments early on is at the season one reunion, which is like, in Vicky's backyard, I believe. And mm-hmm. Andy's not there. There's no one. And they mentioned that like Slade made out with Lori after like he and Joe broke up. And like, that's like a moment that like would cause actual conflict in the real world, but they kind of both brush it off because they don't want to actually like fight about it. And it's like, that is so, you know, counterintuitive if you're watching like housewives now to be like, Oh my God, they, the same man came, you know, came between them, but they're not going to even bother acknowledging it beyond like a quick remark. I think that to me, the, to me, like Orange County, like really laid the groundwork in so many ways. Um, and the real turning point of that series is, you know, we give a lot of credit to the table flip on Jersey, which absolutely changed the way Housewives functions and and those dynamics. But Tamara asking Gretchen if she went to Bass Lake is like the first true housewife's moment that like changed the way these women interact with each other. And so I give a lot of credit to Tamara for being, uh, as much as I like can't stand her a lot of the time for being like a foundational housewife, because that was the kind of like, it became so much more about interpersonal conflict. And, you know, I don't think they're faking it for the cameras, but they're now performing to an extent what they, what they know a housewife has to be, which is confrontational and it's all about conflict and conflict resolution. Uh, whereas early OC is just about like, what if we had a lot of money and our kids were spoiled? I was doing my housewife's homework and you, I'd forgotten because I read it at the time, but so much has gone down on the show since then. It's not even that long ago, but you interviewed Bronwyn uh, recently, kind of after she came out, but before we had the reunion for this season of OC, I think, and then before Bronwyn, like a lot of the cast members, well, like a number of cast members in that show was let go. Um, yes. How was it chatting to her? And like, was there anything that happened? Like, I don't know, between questions that like maybe didn't make it to the interview? There was, well, first of all, I had wanted to interview her about her sobriety journey because mm-hmm. I am fascinated by the rampant alcoholism on on yeah. Housewives. And like, you know, last season of New York was really hard to watch. This season's also hard to watch for different reasons. But like last season was really hard for me because I was like, these women are drinking way too much and it's like unpleasant and so while that was happening and i was watching orange county or around you know it was around the same time um to see bronwyn kind of like really grapple with her sobriety uh was fascinating to me and then as i was like getting ready to pitch uh vulture about doing that then she came out as a lesbian and i was like okay well now i have to talk to her i really yeah i enjoyed our conversation a lot i think that there were things that we got into that were more you know, detail oriented that like we couldn't really uh, include in the final interview because it wasn't really relevant to like enough people. Um, I'm trying to think of like what I could share 
she had some things about Kelly that I ended up not including because like for legal reasons. Um, oh, but oh, wow. <laughs> all I will say is that they, they, they don't like each other. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know if you've noticed, but Kelly and Bronwyn, not fans of each other. Um, yeah, I will. Yeah. I, I will say that like, there was a lot of um, concern, I would say up on Bravo's part and sort of on obviously the, the other housewives part about like, how Bronwyn was painting the other women, you know, was she mm. calling them? Because especially because, you know, these are Republicans, right? But they're not. Yeah. What's what's inter- what's interesting is that, and it, and there are many reasons for this. Um, the housewife fan base is quite conservative. I would say maybe a little bit more conservative than not. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of Trump voters watch housewives, and yet because. <laughs> uh, be, God, how do I how do I phrase this? I mean, I, I don't think any, there are any Trump fans in your in your listening audience, but maybe maybe there are. I don't. What do I know? Um, <laughs> Hopefully the, not. <laughs> the, the the point the point is that the liberal housewives have no problem talking about their political views, but the conservative yes. housewives keep it quiet because if they acknowledge that they supported Donald Trump, especially after you know the last four years, it's a really bad look, and it and it mm. like. Uh, they don't want to have that out there. And so like, it just, it's really interesting to watch. So all these like Republicans on OC don't really talk about being Republicans. Like early on in the show, they absolutely did. Like, you know, we we know, you know, we know that we can see their donation records. We can see um, their old, their old tweets. We know they're Republicans, but they really don't talk about it. And it's like, I think Bronwyn was really willing to, uh, bring it to the forefront, and that was a big point of contention. And you see it now with Ebony, right? Like Ramona's beef yeah. with Ebony is that one, she doesn't want to be called racist because she thinks that being called racist is worse than being racist, and two, she doesn't want to acknowledge the fact that she's a Trump voter. Like Ramona mm-hmm. knows, especially in New York, and especially with the fact that the cast now is mostly uh, Democrats. Ramona does not want to be known as a Trump voter. Ebony simply like asking her you know, explain to me why you voted for Donald Trump is like to Ramona, like the most unforgivable thing because she wants to live in a reality where she doesn't have to ever talk about or acknowledge her politics. You asked about Bron, you asked about Bronwyn and I moved on to Ramona, but I, (laughs) you know, I do. It's all connected. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because Bronwyn, like Bronwyn wasn't always easy to watch in the show. I didn't always like her on the show. I certainly haven't enjoyed all of her antics kind of, online because well I do think she has a kind of you know I appreciate her like activist principles in some sense even if I'm cynical of everybody's activism online these days just because of the world we live in um it's she did some annoying stuff as well but I do think the fact that she called into question both the OC in general in terms of the politics and then the caste politics really interesting and yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, it, you're right. It bleeds into the other franchise as well, but particularly for me as well as an outsider, both of like just of the US in general, that sort of split between people who are Republican because basically it's a tax break in their head, and the ones who are like Republican because Trump appeals to their like white nationalist tendencies and that sort of difference. So yeah, I'm curious. Who knows where it's going to go? In a way, I kind of. Like, Bronwyn gave a great interview to you. She did a great interview with Brendan Carley, who's been on this podcast. But then she's done other stuff where I'm like, oh, what would she bring if she came back to the show? I'm, I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I think she's someone who... It's really hard to cast Housewives this late in the game because you have people like... Bron- Bronwyn was a fan of the show, you know? Like, you can't cast someone yeah. who's, like, never heard of Housewives, who has no idea what it means to be a housewife. 
And so, and Bronwyn also is like very much like she loves the attention. She clearly yeah. loves media. She loves like she complains about tabloid headlines, but she wants all of that to some extent. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how do you cast someone or keep them on the show when fame is so central to what they're doing and their identity? I, I think yeah. it's really tough. I think that like, you know, for a show like Beverly Hills, they just started casting actors, soap stars, mm. because it was like, you can't really cast normal people who don't, you know, who aren't really like, uh, somewhat in the mix already and somewhat like have an idea of what they're supposed to be doing. I think like, you know, I guess we have Crystal, uh, who's not from that world, but most of the recent additions to Beverly Hills have been people in the business. Yeah. I mean, Crystal, Crystal is in the business, but you know, not as an actor. Um, yes, she's I, a little bit more behind the scenes. I know what you mean. Yeah, right. It's it's really it's hard um, to and you and you watch the newer Housewives and and I feel like they they really kind of you know they 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 know what they're doing and they've done their research and then I'm like if I were going to be on Housewives, I would obviously watch every episode you know, that came before when I joined, you know, I would, I would want to know everything yeah. I could about these women. So and they even asked them that now too, which I always find so funny. Like they asked them at the reunions, did you watch the show where you came on? And when they're like, Oh, I'd never seen it. I'm like, uh, that's a fucking lie. As if you didn't watch even a couple episodes. None of us believe that. Yeah. It's always my favorite, like housewives white lie. Um, speaking of OC, I have other studios I want to talk about, but it's interesting. We're chatting about the OC because you've now, like full disclosure, I only jumped on Kelly's first season because it was when they had the trip to Arden. So I felt I, it was my cultural obligation to finally watch the show and see that faithful trip, fateful trip unfold. But we're having this reboot happening with OC effectively, where we have Heather Dubrow coming back and a bunch of new cast members. And it's one of the first times in a while they've actively really cleared the board and brought in new people. So as someone who's watched a lot of OC and I'm sure gotten tired of it like a lot of us have, what what do you think is going to happen with this reboot or what are your hopes for it? I don't know. I mean, I can't, it's hard to remember the last time that I loved Orange County. It was probably halfway through that rewatch two weeks in. Right. <laughs> in, no, in 2016. I, mean, I, do, I do love Heather and I'm excited about that. And like, I don't really quit Housewives. So it would take a lot for me to stop watching any city. It hasn't happened yet. Um, and I've mm-hmm, suffered through same. some really, some really bad seasons. I think like, you know, I, I will keep watching. I will watch with an open mind. I am a little dubious. They can ever recapture the magic of, of things. I also think they have a lot working against them with COVID. And I think that like, I understand why they're filming, you know, you can't just like put everything on pause, but as we, as we keep seeing the pand- pandemic is far from over, you know, like mm-hmm. even, even in the U S where, people kind of felt like, oh, we're, we're done. Like, unfortunately, it turns out that we have a country that is uh, largely anti-getting uh, vaccinated. And we are now dealing with, you know, increasing risk and surges. And it's just like, it, it presents yeah. a logistical challenge that I think makes it hard to enjoy these seasons to some extent, because it feels a lot more artificial. I mean, I think one of the huge problems with New York this season of the many problems is that like they can't do anything. And so they stretch out, they stretch out all the trips to like five episodes for one weekend because what else is there to do? 
they have these like silly little events that are just for them because they can't invite <laughs> anyone. You know, it's it's, it's just silly like, little it, events. <laughs> but it, but but the truth it is, is it, yeah. really, it, ex- it exposes sort of how empty it is. Where like you know, if you're watching normal like a normal season, you know that like okay, this event was done basically because they wanted to have everyone get together for an event. Like it's not, it's yeah. still like you know, production has a hand in that, but it doesn't feel as silly as when it's just like the five of them, them and like and yeah. like three friends who are in their bubble. Um, so it's, it's tough. And so I'm kind of like down on all of that. And then, the, you know, some of the, the shows take it very seriously and some don't. So that's hard too. It's hard for me to watch, Yeah, you know, Cynthia on Atlanta, like plan a wedding <laughs> during COVID. Like, I mean, I don't want to watch yeah. that because it makes me angry and upset. So I think, you know, I'm glad Kelly's gone on OC, but I'm still like, I sort of wish I didn't have to watch another COVID season at the same time, like we're going to be living with living with this virus for uh, the rest of our lives to some extent. So I don't really know yeah. what the alternative is. I just feel like it's really kind of like, I mean, there are shows that have like done really well in the pandemic, like Summer House, because it's like a, a contained mm-hmm. world um, or Top Chef had an incredible, you know, COVID season. But I don't know, Housewives with like the sort of the travel and the, the yeah. need to kind of like show their whole world is just it's to me it's suffering under the pandemic uh but then again who among us no i think what you said there about the world is so important like for me it's made me realize in certain cities more than others these shows do rely on them being out in the world and how they interact with the world around them and you realize that for all the production planning of we will throw an event we will do this there's a certain stuff that just happens when life is at full whack that you can't account for so yeah i think competition reality shows in general are able to navigate this because they can sort of film effectively like a scripted show would in that ultimately the action is confined to three sets so everything it can, and you put them in a hotel overnight so it's just a different beast but um you mentioned new york there and i want to get into new york because you've touched on i think one of the big issues which is covid filming and the way the show has felt hampered by that but i also have a quote from one of your tweets about the show recently where you said i am literally always entertained so are you is still getting some enjoyment out of new york or where are you with it I think that I said that a little bit earlier in the season. Um, <laughs> I was like, I think it's from like June. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, like my point, my point was that like, I love, I don't know. Like I live in New York. I, yeah. you know, I, I'm the cast I, to an extent. I, I have enjoyed all of them at various times. Um, I think last season I was a big defender of people. People were being like, this is a terrible unwatchable season. And I was like, I don't know. I'm laughing a lot. I think it's like really ridiculous and, and I'm enjoying it. Um, this season's tough. Like I, I do not think I am always entertained. Um, I'm having (laughs) a retract that statement. (laughs) No. Yeah. We can, we can, we can just kind of, or put an asterisk (laughs) next to it. I don't know. I mean, like I, yeah, there are things that I've really struggled with this season and Mm -hmm. I've been very frustrated by a lot of the, uh, response online. I think like, you know, I, I put a lot of blame on editing and production. I just feel like, um, I, I, I think there's been a, a, a desire to kind of throw Ebony under the bus and sort of make it like. Yeah. Like she's dragging everything down in a way that I think is incredibly unfair and uh and gross because they basically brought her on to educate these women and then are treating her like she's, you know, this like boring school mom. I really like rubs me the wrong mm. way. I like Ebony a lot. And I also feel like, you know, I, I think that we 
the show needs a reboot and I think the show will get a reboot. And I've already said my prediction for next season is that, um, that Ebony and Leah will come back. Uh, and that I can see Luann and Sonia coming back maybe as friends of. Oh, oh damn. And then Um, everyone else is new. And then everyone. Yeah. (gasps) Yeah. (sighs) That's I could, I would kind of like Sonia full time next year. Luann, like, because they did that one season where Luan was friend off slash sort right, of, cause it, cause was sort con- of full time. I a, could do that. That yeah. was a contract <laughs> issue. No, I just think that like, I just think the show needs a re the show needs a reboot, and the most logical thing to do would be to fire the most expensive people on it and to recenter yeah. around a younger generation. Um, because right now, I mean, it's tough. Like. Leah and Ebony are genuinely in a different world than uh, the other women. And, and, you know, they've done a good job of like meshing. I mean, they sometimes, you know, work together really well, but you kind of can't have it both ways. And I don't see them hiring more rich, older white women because it just feels kind of antithetical to what they've been trying to do with the show. And I think like, you know, part of the issue is like you put Ebony in a situation among all these casually racist, uh, rich white ladies. And it's like, you like, of course she has to then fill that role that you've put her in. But if they cast a younger, more diverse, uh, group of women, like the conflicts would not necessarily be about people's like accidental racism. They would be about any number of other things and it would be more interesting to watch all that being said i as much as i cannot stand ramona this season i do find it fascinating to watch her melt down over being confronted by her privilege so i i can't say that i like seeing her do that but i i think it's very um it's very interesting to watch but to me it's like i don't need to see another season of that like we've this feels like the end of ramona's arc to me yeah, I mean, I've been thinking that for what, like, this season and Ramona has, because at first when Luan and Ebony had their moment on the trip, I thought, oh, this is so funny because I thought Ramona would be that microaggression queen. Well, it turns out she is. She just took a bit longer to get there. I mean, I Ramona's one of those classic Housewives characters where there's been seasons where she's done nothing and yet she's been, like she survived and come back, even though realistically she's had no real story arc for years on the show. So yeah, you're right. I think we're coming to the, it feels like we're approaching the end of an era with her. I mean, I could almost see her doing friend of as like the funny kooky, like weirdo next season, maybe, but like, yeah, I honestly think if they got, and that got rid, got rid of is such a harsh phrase, but even if Ramona left, (laughs) fire, Fire her! I feel like even if Ramona left and that freed up, because I would imagine money-wise, if Ramona left, they could probably get two people in her place oh, financially. Two or, two, or, two or three. I mean, if they're hiring yeah. new ones that, I don't know what it is, like a couple hundred K versus like whatever Ramona's probably making. Probably half a mil that Ramona gets, yeah. Oh, I would say clo- I would say closer to closer to a million at this point with how long she's been on the show. Is that what I mean, you maybe you know, you may have more insight in this than me. I mean, is that how much some of the long-term cast members I've heard that for Atlanta with Needy and Candy, but I yeah. don't know why I assumed Ramona got less. I don't know why. I think Ramona makes a lot of money. Uh and it and it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it were close to a million. Um but I, I don't wow. know for I don't know I don't know how much she actually makes. I, I have no insider yeah. knowledge here. Um I think that yeah, it would it would certainly free up a lot of money for the budget. Um, Fully. and yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think a reboot is inevitable. I mean, the ratings are just, 
cataclysmic. So yeah. Can I ask as well? I mean, you know, I was going through because you have a, a newsletter called High Drama, and you've dipped in and out of covering Housewives on that over the last year or two. And last year, you wrote quite a bit about uh, Leah on the show and how she was a breath of fresh air that season. I'm curious how you feel about her this year because she's having a different season. She sure. No matter is. how you feel about her, you know. I mean, listen, stand no one. You simply cannot put yeah. your faith in anyone because they will let you down. Yeah, she's having a terrible second season. I think like that's, I mean, <laughs> it's, I'm always interested to see what happens when Housewives come back for second season. Um, not just Housewives. I mean, it happens on any reality show when they yeah. come back with their, with their makeover season two. And that and often seen themselves. includes a, that, yeah, that often includes a personality makeover. You know, I'm yeah. I'm struggling with Wendy on Potomac because I feel like oh. it's a similar situation of like, I'm going to come back and be this new person. I'm going to look different. I'm going to act different. And with Leah, I don't know if she's actually like acting that different, but I don't know. I can't tell if it's like, you know, some of it seems calculated and some of it seems like she's just kind of having a bad time. And yeah. And production is doing her no favors. I mean, she had one really bad weekend and it was stretched out of so many episodes that it felt like, you yeah. know, it felt like a month, a bad but it was season, two but it's days. like, yeah. yeah, it was literally like a weekend. Um, yeah. I do think like that. I'm like, I can kind of give her the benefit of the doubt of like, she's just kind of having a bad time of it. But then I'm like, she also like conspired to take Heather down in a really yeah. like kind of silly way where I was like, okay, like that's not because she's, you know, uh, dealing with her grandmother dying, which is legitimately upsetting. That's like something Mm. she planned for separate reasons. And it's very obvious and it's like not fun to watch. I do think it's interesting how much we've seen of the election on, uh, on New York and on Beverly Hills, but that's because they're mostly all Democrats now and they're able to say things about how they're excited about, you know, uh, Kamala Harris being VP, they're able to say like, because they're, they're like, that's what's so funny is like, they've sort of, these shows have, that there is, there has been a bit of like, uh, progress toward, uh, progressive values on housewives. If, if you look at these, these two cities, I think Beverly Hills was pretty much a, you know, a 50, 50 split early on in terms of how people voted. And I would say now, uh, I don't think any of them voted for Trump except Kathy. If I, if I had to guess, I mean, you have to like, you have to kind of not think about who Kathy Hilton really is, I feel like, to enjoy her because I think she's so funny. She's great on the show, but like the Hiltons are not our friends and we have to remember that. It's it's funny though, because it was like they had that talk on Beverly Hills about um, the election and how they were yeah. all kind of like cautiously optimistic. And I was looking around the table and I was like, oh, Kathy's still sleeping. Like that was like <laughs> when, they were, when they were away, I was like, I was like, these women are all... I think Kyle's been, you know, the most reticent to talk about her politics. Um, yeah. Even though I, I'm reasonably sure she votes for the Democratic candidate. I know that Mauricio's mom is like a crazy Trump yes. fan. Um, yes. But I think that they're they're Democrats. Like Lisa Rinna is very much a Democrat. Um, Garcelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... Dorit's kind of not super vocal about her politics, but I don't She's know. She's like, I just... I'll, vote, I'll vote for an Italian politician. <laughs> right, right. Berlusconi. Prosecco. No, <laughs> um, she, I just like, I just think I tweeted about this, but it's like, it's so funny to me that Dorit just kind of like floats in and out of scenes now. Like, I know. Looking what glamorous. is going on? I don't know. I don't mind it at all. I, I've like grown so fond of Dorit and her like just kind of existing that I... yeah. 
I'm allowing it. But um, yeah, I think like they the the reason that like the 2020 election is you know has been so much more present on the shows is because they, they we reached a point where it was like certainly more even for these like these rich women who travel in in wealthy circles uh being being like anthony donald trump became like the more popular opinion you know with his approval rating as low as it was they did not feel like they had as much to risk by talking about being excited by trump losing and we've sort of started talking about beverly hills so i want to dive into that anyway you actually you mentioned there your sort of fondness for dorit and it was something that when you were kind of uh writing about last season you were like she's kind of my favorite now like how do you feel about like the cast now? Cause I read a thing you wrote about it at the end of last season. And I feel like we're about 12, 13 episodes into this one and things have changed yet again. Yeah. This season's fascinating to me. I think it was hard for me for a while to watch Erica lie so much, but I think that like the tables have turned now and it, I'm now enjoying Erica on a performance level, much as I enjoyed her in Chicago, uh, which I did see her in on Broadway um and okay we need to discuss we we do you know what hold on let's because i actually have wanted like to ask you (laughs) about this because i saw remember you tweeting this at the time and i was like someone i know via twitter has seen this show i need to know everything so let's pause the beverly hills chat and go into erica in chicago how was she and now that that show feels weirdly like an arc for her real life journey. <laughs> How do we feel about it now? <laughs> well, I think, I think Erica is a great actor. I really do. I think like oh. she, but like, remember when she did that scene with Eileen on her soap and it yes, was like, yes. I was like, Oh, Erica can act. Like she really, she's like a natural. Um, and I thought in Chicago, she was, she nailed it. She doesn't have the vocal range for the part, but it's like, that's a stunt casting show at this point. So like, they'll just put yeah. whoever in that role. I mean, like, you know, Lisa Rinna and Harry Hamlin did it together and I don't know how well Lisa can sing. Um, doesn't really matter. I am, um, right. you, you know, I, I did see Candy in it as well. Um, <gasps> who obviously can sing, but had a smaller part. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. My mind is blown. I, Sorry. Carry I, on. No, no, I mean, it's, it's a great show for housewives to do. No, but oh. Erica's like a really good actor. And I feel the fact that she couldn't really, sing all of it was fine like i didn't care because i was like i don't need powerhouse vocals when i see chicago i need like you know it's it's chicago um but yeah i mean she nailed it and it did like i have a lot about like how good erica is at embodying a certain character and i think like i don't know i just i find her so interesting and compelling uh and yeah, I mean, it's very interesting to watch this season and think about Chicago and think about sort yeah. of the, the way that the way that Erica, much like Roxy, balances like this like hard edged ice queen like cutthroat thing with like having to also play the wronged wife, the victim, the like you know the person you should really feel bad for. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit eerie. Yeah, that's just. I mean. I saw the Chicago movie years ago and I know the thrust of the story because it's one of those, I know it's one of those long running Broadway shows that has like hung around for years. And But it's just, when I think of the sort of beats of that story, like there's, there's like she played Roxy, right? So like there are similarities yeah. with Roxy Hart at the Chicago storyline character and Erica Jane, the sort of 
pop princess reality star like it's just it's it's eerie actually like I can't, I can't believe you saw her do that I mean people know I'm I'm a rehabilitated somewhat former Erica Stan but like I would have I would have loved to have seen her do that even if it was bad I would have enjoyed I, I've never been an Erica Stan um but I did love her in Chicago it's the most I've ever enjoyed her I think like mm. the crazy thing about Chicago is that that show really is inextricably tied to reality television culture in a way that most people don't really think about because Chicago, the first run of Chicago on Broadway was like not really a a hit the way that it was when it came back. Chicago was Mm -hmm. first revived um, as uh, an Encores production. So Encores does like, you know, a weekend or two weekend run of uh, shows, mostly like flops. Um, that they oh. perform and and so encores did it in 97 late late 90s uh i should know this as a theater person but late 90s um and then it was just a, a smash hit and so well reviewed for that like you know really brief run they transferred it to broadway where it's been running for the past uh 20 plus years mm-hmm. um and the reason that chicago one of the big reasons why chicago came back and became such a big hit is because the OJ trial reminded people of uh, what, how, how, you know, how celebrity and, and the legal system are intertwined, how uh, notoriety is sort of the the, the new kind of fame uh, or has always been, but like it really emphasized a lot of the themes of Chicago and like Chicago, the success of the revival of Chicago was very much about OJ Simpson. Of course, the OJ trial created reality television in many ways. Um, yeah, gave us some it's of the tied most to notable, Beverly Hills. It's tied yeah. to Beverly Hills. It's tied to the Kardashians. Oh it's tied oh to... Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, they're all, they were all, and also just the kind of like watching real people on TV 24-7, the way that the OJ trial, it's it's oh really, gosh. it's all very fascinating, but, it, but like it all kind of, um, Chicago is like very linked to that and, reality tv is linked to that and so i yeah i think like it all comes together and there's an essay to be written about this but i just don't have the time right now so this this yeah i mean there's a lot to talk about in terms of uh erica erica so where are you with i know you mentioned kind of briefly that you have maybe seen this week's episode and this isn't a recap podcast and as i've said to every in the intro of every episode lately when we talk about the Erica chats in these interviews, they, there's a new revelation by the time the episode airs. But in general, right. how do you feel about what we're seeing about Erica's legal stuff on the show? And how are you finding yourself reacting to it? Because I'll say personally, I'm cha- my, my thoughts are changing and evolving constantly on this one. My thoughts are changing and evolving constantly as well. I think... And I don't want to give too much away because I may be writing about this, as I said, and I and I have totally I have no to problem. like you know save some of that. But I, I will say yes. what I find really interesting is like it's a bit of a like damn if you do, damn if you don't for her because, and this is true of Jen Shaw as well. Although I think Jen Shaw is a different breed of uh, alleged criminality and uh, unhinged behavior, um, but you know these women get into legal trouble and they really the smart thing to do would be to not do the show. The smart thing to do right. would be to stay far away from cameras, not talk about anything, sit quietly and try to let this like pass by and listen to lawyers, et cetera. But like they can't afford not to. First of all, they literally 
are incapable of giving up their fame and being on TV. Um, and second of all, like they need the paycheck. So I think yeah. like Erica, Erica has to do the season. She is giving it her all in a way that she never has. We've seen yeah. more of Erica over a few episodes than we have seen for years. Um, yeah, she's just on screen more. Like before just, you factor right. in the personal drama, she's in all these other scenes and she's just, I don't, it's crazy. I don't know if she's like, I got to earn this check, but like she's just on screen. No, she ha- exactly. She, she Because she knows that like she doesn't just need to survive this season. She needs to come back. Because she no longer has an, an income from Tom, she did. She no longer yeah. has someone else funding her career. She probably will not be able to continue. We'll see what happens, but like she's going to be tied up in legal battles for the next many years of her life. So mm-hmm. it's just not going to be a situation where she can like walk away from Housewives. She's not going to get like a bunch of new endorsement deals. Like she needs to like be doing the show, and so of course she's giving it her all. I think she's. There are times when I think she's doing a really good job at like when she talks about her marriage, I fully believe it. I think Tom was awful to her. I mm-hmm. feel a lot of sympathy for her when she talks about that. Everything else, it is uh, I always say she is confusing. She's contradictory. She yeah. is centering herself in a story where there were many real victims who are still yeah. suffering. Um and I don't know what she can do to make that better. I don't think that getting in fights on Twitter is helping. Um, but yeah. I don't know. It's it is it is really compelling to watch. I think like the tough thing for me was like hearing Andy and all the housewives be like, oh, you know, she gives so much this season, and like you really have to hear her side of the story. And of course we support her right now. And it's just like, but I think the show itself is not on her side. I think we're seeing that like the editing of the show is not on her side yeah i've been i've been thinking about this a lot because i've said this with other guests some people are probably sick of me saying it but like there's something you mentioned there they have to do the show for money but i always think this is not you know a show that you're the producer of where you can ultimately shape your narrative this is a show much like drag race where you are at the mercy of a production company that wants to tell the story and they could shoot your reputation to shit in mere minutes with a little bit of footage so it is fascinating watching her tell some version of the story watching the women react and then the way the show will suddenly pull up a flashback that aired so long ago you forgot it even made it on the show like it's just that undercutting of her is fascinating to me yeah i think like you know i i I was talking to a friend about this early on uh before the season started about like you know who was really dubious the show would kind of would would let Erica hang herself the way that I think she is in some ways. And it's like, if you watch the trailer for this season, the sort of two truths and a lie frame, it's all Erica talking. They are, they are presenting this as if she is lying about at least some things she's saying. That is the like, that is the way the context we got this season in. And so yeah. I think the show is very much like she said, you know, if they're not putting words in her mouth, they're not telling her what to say. They're not whatever. I don't think she's getting an unfair edit. I think the show is simply the editing is acknowledging her story does not always make sense. And as much as, as much as as much as she did clearly have a bad time of it married to this awful man, uh, she is not, you know, the real victim in Tom Girardi's story. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's been definitely interesting to see play out. We'll see. Oh, God. I mean, I'm still still a few steps back on the Chicago thing and how fucking iconically tied into her life that is. Wow. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah. I, yeah that's, <laughs> I mean, Tom. Tom's um, Tom's mental state, his, his, uh, his cognitive state, it's really interesting to me because we've seen him on the show a lot, you know? And it's not like... Yeah. He, it's not as though, like, people, you know, with dementia... Uh, can't appear, you know, uh, to be in, in good health when something's seriously going on, but it's, it is hard to reconcile the way we've seen him, the things she's been saying about him and the sudden diagnosis that he has late stage Alzheimer's and he can't take care of himself. It's a little hard to reconcile all of that. And it's a little bit, um, it's a little sus is all I will say without, you know, (laughs) knowing more and not making not saying I know anything for sure. Sure. And uh, big allegedly is around everything we say. I want to actually talk to you about something you wrote uh, that I revisited in in preparation for this. And I read at the time and I loved, you went to BravoCon and you wrote about it for L.com, which for people here who may not know what that is, it was basically a convention celebrating everything Bravo. So Housewives, Pump Rules, Below Deck, all that. There were panels and fan events and, you know, a chance for us mere mortals to see a glimpse of our favorite reality stars in person. The piece you wrote was great because it was loads of insight into what it was like, but you also got into the fact that there was a sort of tension there because we were watching things that we have to remove from when they're in our living rooms and our TV play out in person and that sort of awkwardness. So how was going to BravoCon? And I mean, in a... If it was safe to do so, would you go again? Um, well, that's a good question because BravoCon is allegedly happening again in two months. Um, oh. But they haven't they have not sold tickets yet, which makes me feel like BravoCon is not actually happening in two months. Um if it does happen, right. I will be I will TBC. be going. I, I will be going if it does happen and I will be covering it. So um that that is uh I, I gotta if it does happen they're going to have to require proof of vaccination or a negative test, which is going to be, <laughs> be a small crowd <laughs> uh, for, for a Bravo audience going to be a yeah. little bit tough. <laughs> are, are, all the, are all the housewives even vaccinated? I don't know. My, my, ho- oh my, God. my housewives group chat and I, we've been trying to figure out which housewives are not vaccinated, which is a whole separate Jesus. conversation. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, BravoCon was a lot. I mean, like, I have a love-hate relationship with Bravo fans. <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, I think, like, there are times when I really appreciate the the friends I have and the people I follow who love, uh, who love Bravo, but there is obviously a ton of toxicity, and that's true of any fandom. Every fandom, um, yeah. There's a ton of toxicity. There's, there's a ton of, like, just, like, really ugly behavior on Twitter and and in person, it turns out. I mean, I think that like the hardest thing for yeah. me was watching people who really who watch the shows who don't seem to understand that these are actual people, that they are not characters on a screen, that they are actual people, and that's sort of the hard thing about BravoCon is like any other convention, you're seeing actors, you know, they're not the characters, but you're at BravoCon, and these are just the women, and so. Maybe you want to sort of fight with them. Maybe you want to watch them fight with each other. It's like, it's very, to me, I felt very uncomfortable. I think like the New York panel was awkward to watch because uh, Dorinda and Tinsley weren't talking. um, (sighs) Because, yeah, it would have been made that season where Dorinda was awful to her. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. We didn't know what was going on. We just knew that the tension on stage was horrible. Um, Mm. Then the OC panel was really awkward because... 
uh, Kelly and Shannon were still uh, fighting. Um, I I don't know. It's like I watching. I am so conflict averse. I will watch a fight on TV, but watching it in person, I wanted to like clam under my seat. I don't want to watch people fight in person. And it was like so nasty. The worst moment though, the worst, worst moment was during the Jersey panel when some woman came up to the mic and asked Jackie, like tried to like come for Jackie and be like, you're such a fan of the show. Like, why are you so obsessed with Teresa? Just like, you know, really like ugly, the kind of thing you would tweet at someone. I wouldn't, but like one might tweet at someone, but then in person in front of, in front of an audience of all these people. And it was just like, it was so nasty. Jackie was clearly caught off guard. This is a fan convention. You know, it's like these women didn't sign up to be like harassed in real life. So mm. I had a really, I had a really hard time with that. And it really made me feel like, there, there is a large segment of fans. Thankfully, I think it actually is a minority because uh, there's a lot of like loud people on Twitter and then like the occasional asshole in person who mm-hmm. really don't think these people are anything but TV characters. And you can talk to them in a nasty way and you can confront them about shit that you have no idea, you know, what the real story is because like that is what you're owed as a fan. Um, it's mm. gross. I really, I hated seeing it. I, I really hate fan entitlement and I hate, um, just like overstepping bounds like that. But, um, yeah, I think it's like one of the challenges of a convention like this is like, you're putting these real people on these, like in this sort of fan context and then asking them to, you know, mill about with the people who, uh, call them names on Twitter. Um, yeah. So there was also the Vanderpump rules party that I went to where it was like, you like paid extra for it. Um, and it was like interact with the cast of Vanderpump rules, but like you got there and you didn't really interact with them because like, why would <laughs> like, why, because like, why would the cast of Vanderpump rules want to hang out with these people who would, some of whom would be like saying mean shit to them. Like it's really, yeah. it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's funny. Actually, I had not like, when I first heard of BravoCon, particularly from this side of the world where, you know, a housewife signing would never happen in my daily life, I thought, oh my God, what a treat that would be. And the panels sounded so interesting, particularly the producer panels and all that stuff. But I'd never made a connection until you said it that, you know, the convention world comes out of sci-fi and horror and like kind of geeky fandoms. And I mean geeky in the best possible way, where even if people are intense or a little bit full on, they know that they're meeting the actor who plays the character they like or the voice of a cartoon character they like. Or even at DragCon, we know that drag performers put a costume on and then there's a different person behind it. Whereas, yeah, you're right, with reality stars, it's like, there they are. They're not an actor. It's really them. And the you've blurred the line in a way that's like kind of scary when you think about it. It's rough. And I, and I do, I am like, you know, part of why I want to, go again this year but actually happens is like how do you sort of like reconcile that especially because like yeah how are you going to deal with this audience how are they going to treat someone like ebony you know who's gotten a lot of ugliness from from online people online um how do you sort of like you know make that work um because are you going to screen questions better i you know and then like the panels are so hard because like so many of them are filming while they do the panels so it's like yeah you know, how do you kind of like, it's, 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 it's a very weird thing. And 
I love the idea of it. Um, I did have a good time. I, the producer panels, I think, were the most interesting because the producers actually tell you shit that you don't know. And I love all the behind the scenes stuff. I think that's like just so fascinating. Um, that was really fun. I did have fun at the Vanderpump Rules party because um, uh, Kristen snuck me into the uh, cast section, which was which made it fun. Um, otherwise, I would just have been at a weird loud dance party that i don't enjoy um (laughs) but 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 uh yes uh it's it's definitely an odd place and um you know the novelty of seeing housewives interact with each other from different cities is like definitely a thing i'm kind Mm -hmm. of worried it's going to wear off you know like we're going to get an all-star season and then at some point it's like do we really need more of this like is this what we're looking for or do we want to see like more authentic relationships between people who live in the same city, do similar things in their lives, have similar friend circles. Like that's sort of more of why I've enjoyed housewives over the years. Yeah. God, it's, I want to go so badly. Like I, like probably not this time with travel and everything, but in a time (laughs) where I could travel to New York again, I would, and this is sort of tied to, I guess, stuff like BravoCon in a way, but, and I know you met like Ariana from Pump Rules and people from the show at BravoCon, but have you had many housewives run-ins like where you've met them i know you've interviewed different people and stuff like what kind of interactions or run-ins have you had with housewives i've interviewed a lot of them i Mm -hmm. I was working on a story many years ago about about sort of the trajectory of of uh conflict on the housewives uh series and i ended up interviewing i think like 10 former housewives um that story never that story never happened so uh, unfortunately that was all for naught, but I, you know, it was mm. fun at the time to report on. Um, so I interviewed a lot of them through that. Um, I don't know that I've had a lot of like casual interactions with, with housewives. I met Candy when she came to Buzzfeed when I was working there and oh, she was I love lovely. I love Candy. Oh. A couple of them follow me on Twitter, but I'm always very, uh, oh, God. I don't really, I, well, I just like, don't really, you know, I, the funniest was like early when Kelly first started uh, and before we knew who Kelly really was, I tweeted at her to find out when her birthday was because she is also a Libra, um, even though we don't claim her. And I was going to say, like, do Libras claim Kelly Dodd? Probably no. not. <laughs> and, she, and she followed me and then I soft blocked her because someone sent oh. me the video of her being racist on TMZ and I was like, okay, I don't need this. And so I soft blocked her. But generally I just don't try to get housewives to follow me because I feel like we should keep those worlds separate. Whenever I remember that there are ones that do, I don't know, I'm a little unnerved. For whatever reason, I don't feel, Vanderpump Rules people, I have had lots more interactions with that. I'm like, we're closer in age and fair. Yeah. I, I don't know. And there are people that I might interact with under normal circumstances. Whereas like, I think most housewives and I, we, we don't, we don't run in the same circles and I, I don't mean to insert myself in, in their lives. Uh, and I don't need them to read my thoughts about, uh, about the shows. <laughs> I know that Sonia follows me, but I don't think it's like Sonia. I think it's one of her interns. And so like, I do yeah. talk about New York a lot and I'm like, it's fine if yeah, she's not going to read this. <laughs> I have seen Luann's cabaret shows more than once, which is really on me. And, um, <laughs> I went to, I was at her first cabaret show, which was 
wild. Um, was that the one that was filmed for the show, like the kind of season the, finale one? That was the third one that was filmed for the show. So I went to the I went to oh. her very first cabaret show at Fifty Four Below. Oh my god! Um, wow. Uh, Jacques was there. Kelly <sighs> Kelly was there. Kelly Ben Simone. Um, and who else was there? Nicole Nadeau, uh, Luann's niece and former work of art contestant, was there. And, and Sonia was so drunk and she like fell on our table. And I was like, I actually don't enjoy seeing people this drunk. And I realized like it, it, it really like, I feel like it made the next season of the show harder to watch because I was like, Oh, like these women on the show who are drunk also get drunk like this in real life. Like it's not a TV yeah. thing. Yeah. And I found it a little uncomfortable. Um, but uh oh and i went to sorry i'm just like remembering random housewives things because you asked and now it's just like all the, this part of my brain floating back i went to luann's um music video uh feeling giovanni music video release party oh my god you're a luann stan you have followed I'm her not a, well i know that i'm a luann fan it's that i um i've been friends with ben rimmelauer for many years and you know he wrote he co-wrote that song and he's like heard uh cabaret director and so like oh. um and so i went there and and uh met luann there and <gasps> talked to her because i was gonna per- i ended up performing um uh chic c'est la vie at a 54 below show of my own not of my like i was one of 54 people performing in that show um but i no it was your one-man show let's, it was my one-man show really got anyway, anyway that, that was anyway that was my little <laughs> interaction but um but we did oh, wow. also i did meet tinsley there and she was really nice and really drunk and um i think that's it i think that's all we need right like i <laughs> i've gone wow. through you went from i don't have that many to like oh, no you know, it's I... just like it's not <laughs> you know I, I you see people around um but i guess uh, yeah I don't have like real relationships with anyone on any housewife show and that's probably for the best. Yeah, true. Oh my God, you've had some good interactions though. I'm jealous. Okay, those are good. Um, This is a question that has stumped guests. It is mystified guests. Guests, some have risen to the occasion. I don't know where you'll fall on this. I have the utmost faith in you though. But if you were to choose a housewives tagline for yourself, what would it be? Do you know that I like woke up early this morning and I was spent like half an hour trying to come up with taglines? <laughs> oh no! Because there's nothing, there's nothing harder than coming up with a housewives tagline. I don't know. I find them they're so hard. Um, I I was thinking about like pandemic themed taglines because that's okay. like obviously what you want uh, right now. And the like the one that I landed on, which I don't, it needs to be fine tuned. Okay, this is like a rough version. Okay, but it's um. I've been panicking for 35 years, but now I finally found a reason. Um, so it's very, <laughs> like, of the, it's very of the moment, you know, it's very yeah. much like yeah. I like when we're tied to current <laughs> events. So that's, that's what I'm going with right now. Something with like yeah. that, that uh, theme. Uh, that's but I'm great. Always, I didn't, yeah. People can like whip out, no, people can like whip out these like crazy yeah. good taglines. And I'm always like, how does your brain work? Cause I am not, all I can come up with is like bad puns and like talking about the same shit I tweet about constantly. Like my, you know, feelings of dread. <laughs> There's like a producer on houses going, we went through your Twitter feed. We've got a few options. <laughs> <laughs> God, I can't even imagine how depressed I would be. Could you imagine like being like Kristen Takeman, right? And you like show up to your like tagline session and they're like, Kristen, we have a perfect tagline for you. Let us know what you think. 
<laughs> but I'm pretty. Like I would, <laughs> I would, like, I would sure. like, I would quit the show. I'd be like, absolutely not. I would, like, I would love. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm pretty. Like nightmare. And then Ramona cuts your lip. It's just like <laughs> the indignities of Kristen Takeman. I don't know. My favorite tagline. My not my favorite tagline, but like <laughs> the one that I think about all the time is <laughs> season one of OC. Is Laurie's were the police involved? Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about because because it used to just be quotes. It wasn't like actual taglines. Yeah, quotes from the show, and it's Laurie asking if the police were involved. Um, I think about that all the time. Um, that is so funny. I f- but oh the, uh, in terms in terms of in terms of real taglines, I think the best one is um, uh, Lisa's. Uh, what is? It? Let me. What is? Um, I'm looking it up now. Rinna you know or Vanderpump. Talking? Vanderpump. You know what I'm talking about? It's um. Oh, I'm passionate about dogs. Just not crazy about bitches. Yeah, and the way she said it, I'm passionate about dogs, but not crazy about bitches. And she knew, I, she knew she had a good line and winner. she really fucking think, hit it. Yeah, I think that's like, that's like maybe my favorite tagline of all time. And I'm not an LVP stan or anything. I just think that was like a brilliant tagline. Yeah, I love, um, I mean, I still, and I, I'm kind of like, I appreciate what she did on the show, but I wasn't a blind stan, but I did like, throw me to the wolves and I should return leading the pack because it was like, what in the Game of Thrones? Like, chill out. <laughs> no, that like, it's is, not that, was that a, deep. It was, that was so really crazy. One too. I, I mean, yeah. I, I, appreci- I appreciated what she did, but I do think like you can only go so far on the show yeah. when you're refusing to engage with things. And like, it's also like if you watch back Beverly Hills and you, you realize how much of a puppet master LVP really is and like how much she instigated so many of those moments. Like, you know, it's like she really like did them all dirty and then it finally came back to bite her in the ass and she just like bailed like that sucks. Yeah. And she's so lucky she has the NBC kind of backing of, oh, your spinoff and your other spinoffs, because I think it was anyone else. They would have been like, see ya. And she was like, I have a show, but, uh, you know, possibly damaged 30 somethings that you guys really love. So I'm not going anywhere. You know, like she knew. (laughs) She was like, I will do this on my own terms. But yeah, it was a shame. You know, wait, oh, you know, wait, wait, you know, I just want to mention because we're, I didn't, didn't mention this in like the uh, house I've interviewed. I have uh, interacted with, with LVP a few times. And <gasps> I, did, I did interview her. I saw, I've, I've been to all the restaurants and I've seen her at, I saw her at Tom Stunning. Tom and almost comp- complained because it was like, we're having a really bad time there. But um, I oh. interviewed her, I interviewed her years ago about Dancing with the Stars when she was doing that. And oh, yeah. And we were talking and like, we were talking about housewives. And I think the storyline of the show was about her son looking into his biological parents. And I was talking to her about my adoption and and all of that. And it was like, she was so sincere. We had this like really great conversation about adoption and it was really like lovely. And I've always like had a soft spot for her because of that, because we had this like kind of beautiful conversation and she was asking me my perspective, uh, as an adoptee about uh, mm-hmm. about Max, and I was like, okay, this is um, this is nice. Wow. Anyway, um, that's, that's lovely. Just, that's such a one, moment. One nice thing about LVP. That's what I'm. I'm <laughs> leaving. I'll, I'll leave it that. See, you have such good stories. I knew you'd come through with that one. Um, so we've had tagline. This is my other favorite question to ask guests. Uh, oh. You're throwing a housewives dinner party tomorrow. You can have five people over. Uh, they can be housewives. They can be friends of husbands, hangers on. We have had people uh, suggest pets and the ghosts of dead housewives cast members. So really, the floor is yours for what five people you'd like to have. 
I find this so hard because, you know, my favorite housewife of all time is someone I would not want to have at a dinner party. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is which is uh, Bethany Frankel. Um, <laughs> I love how you were like, who is? Let me tell you. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I, I I think Bethany is like the, the ultimate housewife. I just think like she's not someone I think I think she would kind of derail a dinner party in a way like she's she's she, she's not good at like kind of being one right. of the oh, she'd be awful at dinner yeah awful. I think I think I would kind of want to invite people who are really good at uh they do that thing where they, they they're like the voice of reason but they're not afraid to like bring it when necessary right. and like Dolores so vibes. I want Right, like I want I want like candy there for sure you know yes um also just, I love candy um mm-hmm. i want dorit there frankly at this point i do want dorit sure. there um god i do, i'm trying to think um i want i want heather from slc there okay heather gay i want tiffany moon Ooh, yes yes um and then i have a fifth slot oh god this is tough i i would like uh let's see coco i want coco there because that dog is 3,000 years old and still alive. No. Coco the dog. Coco the dog. I was like, maybe it's someone I don't remember from like OC. I was like, no, no, you mean the no. dog. I just, I was, I just, I just am like, I am Sorry. so, I mean, if I had to, if I had to add another human, I would, I would add Heather, I would add Heather, I would add Heather Dubrow because I love Heather Dubrow and I think she'd be really fun in that context. Yeah, but I'm she also would. just Sorry. like, Sorry. no, I'm just, but I'm also like, how is Coco still alive? I want to meet this dog. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, she'd that dog in is, on a frame. <laughs> Like Coco has has lived many lives. Yes. So, um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'll go with that. Maybe Coco and a pet psychic, and the pet psychic could really talk us through Coco's mental state while, while we were there. It, absolutely. I, th- I love that I went with like a genuine answer <laughs> oh of like God. housewives. I think would be good at a dinner party, and like added a dog when I could have just gone for like <laughs> yeah. pure thirst and been like, I want Shane Keo there. I want like you know like I could have gone that route, and maybe I should have, but um. Sheree's hot son. I forget his name, but Sheree's a hot son too. Cairo. Anyway, the, right, right. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, instead I was, <laughs> I, I, I chose the he ladies because <laughs> I wanted a dog and I wanted um, the women I enjoy. I love how you just were like, you know, and I'd, I'd have Coco there. And for a second I was like, Oh, Coco's like maybe a random character, or like a housewives cast member. I forgot. You're like, no, the dog. Anyway, strong lineup. And I, I, I like what you did there with the, number of guests and i do think dorit would be good at a dinner party because she does strike me as like good company in that realm you know totally and just like i want to see what she's wearing i think i do i do think i right i do think garcelle would be better for conversation to be honest Mm, true but i need someone like i need someone a little bit like off the rails and i feel like dorit is like just (laughs) weird enough Whereas, yeah. like, I need someone weird who's, like, kind of fun weird, whereas, like, Sutton is, like, real hit or miss, can sometimes be, like, yeah. pull back. Yeah. And, like, I, Kim Richards, like, you know, maybe fun, maybe, like, yikes. Uh, so I want Dory as, like, a middle ground. Okay. Ex- excellent choices. I appreciate those. Thank you. I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious. You've watched, like, you've re- like you've gone back to old seasons and you've caught up in ones you've missed. Is there something that's next for you on your housewife journey? Like, are you going to rewatch something or maybe get into the show you actually haven't watched? So I have to finish watching Miami. Uh, I have mm-hmm. one more season to go because I am excited about the reboot. So I want to be caught up for that. And then mm-hmm. I think I will eventually watch DC just for the sake of uh, 
watching it. Um, otherwise, like I'll keep watching. There are there are plenty of of ones yeah. that are airing for me to watch. Um, yeah, and I am excited that at some point Melbourne re- will be back because like I need Melbourne <sighs> in my life. Um, Same. I don't know that there's any way to watch it legally in the U.S. Um, oh no! But, Come on, um, Peacock. That's such well, a home run for Peacock. I know, but the pro- other pro- the other problem is when it did air in the U.S., they edited it like it was shorter, and they they bleeped out the cursing, which is the best part. Which is the best part of watching uh, International Housewives is that they can't. They just like they have filthy fucking mouths and. It's not bleeped out. Where before we wrap up, I mean, I've mentioned your housewives writing, and it's it's out there online. I'll link to some of the pieces I mentioned in the show notes. But where can people find you online and your work online? Um, I pretty much everything that I do will end up being posted to my Twitter account, which is at Lewis Peitzman. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of housewives writing, you know, a lot of it, it will I will be returning to it on my newsletter. Um, which yes, will all be uh, is all free now, so I need to kind of like get that going again, but it will happen uh, sooner than you think. And um, I, uh, I've been pitching some stuff. I, you know, I I pitch a lot to Vulture. um, And so hopefully Mm -hmm. there'll be some more there. Um, God, I'd love to write more for the times on housewives because I just think the New York times needs more housewives content um same listen katie weaver was on this podcast and i milked her for every housewives tidbit she had so no, i'm with I you mean, it, it's it's great i mean i think like they, they let me profile stassi for the new york times and that was like i was like you know what we're in a new era it's time yeah. to, of course that was before stassi's fall from grace but you know yes, we should yeah <laughs> um and then like older housewife stuff i do want to draw the thing that i have written that i am like am most like that i that i look back on with a lot of fondness is um when i had i had lunch with all the manzos at um at uh the restaurant that uh albie and chris owned in jersey oh yeah oh yeah um and i wrote about the manzos and like I, it was an old thing for uh, that I wrote for BuzzFeed that I think probably has no images left because they removed all the images from old posts. But anyway, I oh, wow. was always really delighted about that. That was one of my favorite like housewife stories I've done just because, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, the Manzas are fun and they were all there except for, uh, except for uh, Al, who was at the Brownstone. Let's not move the brand stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, I just not, not to like not to plug that's a plug thing I did like like many many years ago. But I I'm glad that happened. And then yeah, anything else I read about housewives will be linked to on Twitter. And um, so your Twitter is is your name. So it's at Lewis Peitzman. And then we have the newsletter is High Drama is the name, isn't it? Yeah, it's just lewispeitzman.substack.com, I believe. Uh-huh. Um. But. Okay. Wait for me to get that up and running again, and then but I'll start plugging. I'll start plugging it once I'm actually sending out newsletters. Yes, amazing. That's exciting. Okay, well, listen, we've covered a lot of ground. I have been so fascinated by your housewives hot takes for years, so this has been a treat for me personally to deep dive into your brain today, Lewis. Thank you so much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you for letting me ramble. I really appreciate it. That was Lewis Peitzman here on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much to Lewis for joining me. I'm excited for his newsletter to kick back up because. Uh, I really enjoyed reading that last year. It's some really insightful and funny takes on Housewives that he shared there. So I'm sure when he's got that up and running, he'll be he'll be riding up a storm. And as he mentioned on Twitter, he shares everything he writes and he talks about the shows a lot. So if you're not following him, get into that. The link to his Twitter is in the show notes for this episode. 
If you enjoyed today's show and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a rating and or a review. It really helps the show jump up the charts, find people, all that good stuff. And it is much appreciated. You know, I am a one man band, so any help I can get in getting word out about the show is much appreciated. We've mentioned the Instagram, which this week does have our Salt Lake City deep dive, which is in the highlights on the main page. That is at Housewives and Me. You can get the show on Twitter at the same handle as well. If you want to follow me, it's it's Connor Bean on Instagram and Twitter as well. All those links are in the show notes for this episode. I think that is enough talk out of me. Thank you very much for listening. As always, it's much appreciated. So until next time, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.